Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. The world needs to hear your message and your story, so don't deny the world of that gift within you that the universe has given you. Someone out there needs to hear your story because it will support them in feeling hope, inspired, and even transformed. Do you want to discover how I help get my clients out of their own way, show up, and confidently share their message? I would love to extend an invitation to you to join me in my free masterclass, Start Your Own Podcast from Idea to Implementation, on Wednesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can find the registry link in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography Podcast. Today, my guest is Lillian Ledoux. She is a PR coach and a publicist. Welcome, Lillian. I am so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Brad. It's good it to be is, here. It is my pleasure and my honor. So let's jump right in and talk all the things PR. How long have you been working in PR and what inspired your journey into that world in particular? I started PR about 10 years ago now. Prior to that, I was running my business primarily as a freelancer on the social media strategy and copywriting side. So doing a lot of writing for websites, print collateral, some taglines for radio ads, stuff like that. And I decided to add PR onto my services mix because I had a lot of entrepreneurs coming to me and asking me, hey, can you write a press release? There's something I want to get out there and everything. Is that something you do? And I got tired of telling people no. So I thought, hey, maybe this is an area I can kind of get into. I've built my business because I I love the idea of storytelling. I love the idea of helping folks get their stories out there in different ways. PR is just another way to do that. So let's see if I can try my hand at this, see how it goes, see if I like it. So I cut my teeth initially interning for an agency here in town that had satellite offices in LA and New York as well. And through them, I cut my teeth doing it for, at the time, Steve Nash Fitness Clubs was a client. We did a lot of stuff for fashion and beauty as well. And I also got into indie film and television, which I fell in love with. So from there, I decided to say I'm going to take on the indie film and television portion on my own, do work with food brands and everything, started to really enjoy myself. And that's kind of the genesis of how I incorporated PR into my services. I love it. So what were you doing before you made the, the jump into the entrepreneurial world and became a PR coach and publicist? And how is that transition for you into the world of entrepreneurship? It's interesting you ask this question because my journey into this started in a, in a really strange way in the sense that at the time I was still a university student. Oh, okay. And uh, I didn't really set out to build my own business. Initially, what I wanted to do was I wanted to get co-op work experience in order to set me up for a full-time job once I graduated and everything else. And I said, you know, no one's going to hire me if they can't see what I can do. And in order to do that, I have to get a portfolio. So how am I going to get a portfolio when academic writing is not going to cut it? I started, just literally sat down one day with a list 
and started cold calling and cold emailing 40 plus businesses a day just to see who's going to give me a shot here. I want to build my portfolio. Ended up landing with an agency and cutting my teeth on the copywriting and social media side and basically decided, okay, for the time being, this is working out for me. So let's see how far I can take it. And over the years, I've had in-house positions during all of this. But for one reason or another, because of layoffs and everything else, the in-house stuff just didn't work out. So I, I kept building the business side of it because I was learning, I was growing, and I was working with some really fantastic people and being mentored by agency owners, by fellow publicists and everything to really sort of teach me how to better set up a business that really prioritized myself and my energy and my scheduling and just what I want as an entrepreneur. So it just worked out perfectly. What was then your very first gig in PR before you started your business? Let's go back to when I was interning, because that's kind of where the the PR side of things started in in my business. And as an intern, I actually love this story because, Brad, I was greener than green. (laughs) And and just I I say I I was a total greenhorn because I was just nervous at doing a lot of things, at being client-facing, at wanting to get out there and, and not make mistakes. Well, we had a film premiere in L.A., and it was my job to call up some folks to invite them. So here I am. Nobody knows who I am. I'm just the intern at this PR agency, and I'm on the phone with Will Smith's New York agents. <laughs> I, I still distinctly remember saying, this was 10 years ago, and I remember saying, is Mr. Smith available for a Steve Nash documentary film premiere in April? And they said no, which is fine. But I hung up the phone and the whole time, like my hands are shaking. I feel clammy. I'm feeling dizzy. And when I hung up the phone, I'm like, okay, I did that. I survived in spite of all of the nerves that I have being client facing and getting out there and everything. If I can do that, I could tackle anything in this business. (laughs) A great confidence booster. Yeah, it was one of those things where if you had told me before that was what I was going to have to do as part of my job, I would have said, no way, get someone else to do it. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) What would you say are the top three benefits to working with a PR agency for entrepreneurs? I would say that working with a PR agency whether you are getting the educational component, so whether you're being coached or you're working on them with them on a campaign, what you get is the knowledge and experience on how to structure the framework. So things like if you're sending out your own media pitch, I've seen so many clients come to me and their media pitches are the length of an academic thesis. So working <laughs> with a PR agency, they're going to help you narrow down the focus and really focus on the meat of this is what it is and this is why people should care about it. So they really help you build that framework to position you, your brand and your stories the right way. On top of that, they have the relationships that you can leverage with the different media contacts, not just media, but depending on the scope of your campaign for a booking event opportunities to go speak Mm -hmm. or be a vendor for building relationships with associations so that you can put pieces in in their newsletters or in their blogs, that kind of thing. So there's really a wide scope 
that working with a publicist or a PR agency is going to have knowledge about to kind of guide you through. Not only that, we, speaking from experience, we have a better idea of how to sort of structure your goals in terms of what's realistic. Because if you have no experience... Going from zero to 60 to get on Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel is just not going. Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not how it works. You're banking on going viral, whereas what we want to do is build you a campaign and a strategy that's going to help keep the momentum going. Keep your projects top of mind before and after a campaign, and you can always return to that. And then the last part of it is, is that working with someone like me, I'm able to help you bridge the gap. So for folks that have never done outreach to a media outlet and everything, having a publicist or a PR agency help you streamline the media relations portion, like doing all the scheduling for the interviews, the events, whatever it is that you're doing, makes it a lot easier to manage for your first time out. What excites or lights you up the most about working in the PR world? Two things. On the campaign side, it's whenever we get great coverage. Doesn't matter who it's from, what type of outlet it is, but if we get great coverage and a client gets a great review or they nail an interview, I always celebrate that. I'm always first on the horn to share the congratulatory emails and share it on social media so we're amplifying it and people are checking it out and everything. The other thing that I love doing on the coaching side is when my clients get those light bulb moments. So when we are sitting together in a coaching session and I'm helping them brainstorm ideas for their media kit or helping them brainstorm ideas for their media pitch or working on, hey, you're scared of doing interviews. Let's unpack that a little bit and figure out where that fear is coming from and how we can help you push past it. When they get those light bulb moments and go, oh, I never thought about it that way. I get it now. I completely understand. Like, this is what you've been trying to tell me this entire session or the last couple of weeks. That to me is really gratifying because it's sinking in to them how it works and they're getting confident with it. And when you get confident with it and you have that knowledge and, and the tools to build that strategy, hey, sky's the limit. They can there take it go. and they can run with it. Absolutely. Now, on the flip side of that, Lillian, what would you say is one of the most challenging parts of the work you do in PR? This is a great question, and this relates directly back into why I incorporated the coaching side of my business. Because as a service provider and just working on campaigns, I started noticing a lot of patterns with the entrepreneurs who were coming to me and also going to the agencies that I was doing work for. And that is that a lot of them would come in with a lot of limiting beliefs and unrealistic expectations. So on the unrealistic expectation side, it was the, I can throw 500 bucks your way and we can do a huge international campaign and I can end up on TV and everything when they have no media experience or they want to guarantees on the results that campaigns bring them. And as I always say in marketing, we don't deal in guarantees. If we did, none of us would eat because that's (laughs) that's not how it works. So that was a big thing. The other part of it is the limiting belief side where they, as entrepreneurs, like I get it, I'm one too. You want to maximize your time, your energy and your money. But when they come to you and their mindset is one of fear and anxiety, what ends up happening is they may sign on the dotted line to do a campaign, 
but they are scared to move forward. They're scared to add their input. They are always uh, nickeling and diming where the money's going and trying to control what the response is going to be to the stuff that they put out there. That, all of this, makes my job as a publicist really difficult because you're fighting against client perceptions. You're fighting against their expectations and your attention split two ways. You're trying to work on the campaign, number one, but number two, also manage them. (laughs) So I incorporated coaching into my business because I said there has to be a better way to provide that education for them so that when they are actually ready for PR, they have a much better idea of how everything works and they can I advocate for themselves and their goals better because I had other entrepreneurs who soured on public relations a little bit because they came out of a campaign and they said, we, I got great results, but they weren't the results that I wanted because I thought that the PR agency was the expert and I didn't feel comfortable speaking up. So for me, the toughest part is often dealing with the limiting beliefs dealing with the unrealistic expectations and even just having those frank conversations with them about, Hey, if, if this is where you're at right now, I don't think public relations is for you at this period in time because there are a lot of things that you need to work through and there's not enough time or energy to do that during a campaign. That is a coaching scenario. Do you get, I would imagine a lot of people come in with those unreal expectations where you mentioned earlier about they want to be on Jimmy Kimmel or these big shows and they just think that this is just going to happen. It has happened a lot over the years. And what is surprising is that The women that I've encountered have a lot more of the fear and anxiety. It's a lot of the men that have a lot more of sort of the unrealistic expectations about where they can take it. And the way I see it is, as I say to them, confidence is great. Like, I'm glad that you're confident in your story and everything. But the fact is that if you have no media experience, the last thing I want you to do is be on the couch on stage in front of in-studio audiences and millions of households stumble or maybe not know how to answer a question and then attempt to recover. Because doing it that way is a lot harder than actually building a cohesive strategy where you are confident, not just in who you are, but in your story, how you're presenting it, and what types of questions that they're going to ask and you're comfortable with it. Building it that way makes it a lot easier to kind of work your way up incrementally. And as you know, Brad, the tough part is that in today's society, we want everything and we want everything yesterday. So (laughs) when you're trying to tell people that building this, building your reputation in the media takes time, sometimes they're not always ready to hear it. But it is true that this type of relationship, it has to be reciprocal. They're not just there to serve you and feature your story no matter what. You have to tell them. Why does this matter? Why should they care? What are their audiences going to get out of it from having from them having you on? Right. If you can prove that to them, then you're in. If you can't, it doesn't matter what lofty expectations you have. I think that's one of the big things is that people are not in that proper mindset of looking at the situation where what 
am I bringing to the table? What are they going to benefit from me being there? How am I going to be of service to this person's audience or to this TV show's audience or to this interviewer? What am I bringing to the table? What value is it going to add? And there's not a lot of people that come from that mindset. And that's where the shift has to happen. They have to realize this isn't about you. It's Sure, you've got a story. That's great. But how is it going to benefit anyone else? Because one of the other big things that I see all the time, particularly on social media, is a lot of front facing, my products are on sale or buy my book. Yeah. And it's not only does that get repetitive and become a bit of an echo chamber, what you're not telling people is what differentiates you, right? Because yeah. there are thousands of people out there that do what you do. <laughs> what makes you different? Why should I buy from you as opposed to Joe Smith down the road when both of you offer exactly the same thing? Maybe your price points are the same. Maybe there's similar features. What's going to make you different that I'm going to trust you and want to support you and want to buy from you, right? And I think that's where a lot of people tend to get stuck because even social media and email are very dependent on the entrepreneur producing the content. It's dependent on them producing the content and then it's dependent on their audiences to share it. What PR is phenomenal for is when you get into building those relationships, you have these reputable, trustworthy media platforms developing that high quality content on your behalf when they have you on it for an interview. And then what happens is on both ends of the spectrum for your audience and their audience, they see you on there and they're like, hey, this guy's not just tooting his own horn. There's actually a platform like he's trustworthy because this platform supports him. They endorse him. And that's the kind of clout. That's the kind of credibility. That's the kind of trust that PR is fantastic at helping entrepreneurs build that you're not going to get just from relying on social media and email. Yeah, it's that no trust factor, right? It's important for sure. Lillian, what would you say has been one of the biggest highlights of your career so far working in PR? Probably one of my favorite highlights thus far is I had a client who was an indie film director. She had a short horror film and she came to me and she said, I know this is really short notice, but uh, I'm doing a panel at San Diego Comic-Con this summer. Can we do a short campaign just to get the word out? So what I did was, and normally I don't work with such tight turnarounds because a lot of the media have their schedules booked up already, particularly during festival season. But I said, hey, we've worked together for a while. Let's try this. I sent the news out to a lot of media that I've worked with in the past, say this horror film's going to Comic-Con and everything. 10-day turnaround, the response helped push her over the edge to show the streaming platform Shudder that her film had enough of an audience to make it worthwhile to feature on their platform. So she ended up signing a two-year non-exclusive distribution deal on Shudder because the San Diego Comic-Con campaign pushed it over the edge. That's a nice feather in your cap. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't hurt that she's also a fantastic client and the movie (laughs) was awesome. 
right? There so you go. <laughs> all of those things together make my life so much easier. Lily, you say that and believe that mindset is the key to any and all business success. Can you speak to how important a part mindset has played in helping you through your journey as an entrepreneur and just how important mindset is to our daily routines and success? Yeah, absolutely. I spent a lot of years when I was just a service provider chasing a lot of the wrong things because my mindset was not where it needed to be for growth, was not where it needed to be to really focus on what my goals were. I was coming at it from a place of desperation. I was working with a lot of the chasing after the wrong projects and the wrong people and ended up focusing on the wrong things. And for an entire year in my business, actually, because of that, I didn't make one cent, no money whatsoever. This was a bit of a crossroads year because at the time I was also engaged, wedding, planning to move. And I had well-meaning friends and family say to me, are you sure you're in the right line of business still? Are you sure you're still doing the right thing? And I said to them, when things are going well, I love what I do. My problem is when I'm not focusing on what I should be focusing on and when things are not going well, how am I digging myself out of that? And I spent a lot of years off and on going to counseling, realizing later that counseling was cathartic and therapeutic in the moment, but it was addressing the symptoms, not the root causes. It wasn't until I hit burnout as a service provider where I thought it's like pulling teeth right now. I'm not enjoying myself anymore. I need that outside help to give me some perspective. And that's when I invested in both business coaching and mindset coaching. And through that was when I actually got the genesis of the idea to add coaching to my services to provide that education. But then I thought, hey, I can't help my clients work on their mindset blocks when I'm still so messed up myself, when I'm not focusing on the right things myself. And in working through mindset coaching, I realized that the root of my fear and my anxiety about putting myself out there, about taking advantage of new opportunities, about sharing who I am, not just the results of what I can do, but who I am as an entrepreneur, my journey, why people should work with me. Because I spent so many years hiding behind case studies, testimonials, basically saying that can do the talking for me. People see that, they know what it is that I do, and that's that. But it's like, They see what I can do, but they don't know anything about what it's like working with me. And I, through mindset coaching, came to the realization that my fear and my anxiety over all of that came from a need for control. And that need for control stemmed from not having control growing up. I didn't have control. I was being controlled. I was being dictated to. I wanted to control the outcomes of the stuff I was putting out there in order to really prove to myself that I was successful. But when I came to that realization, Brad, and through my working with my mindset coach, allowed myself to forgive myself for a lack of control that I had in my childhood, that I did the best that I could with the skills, the knowledge, and the experiences that I had to survive. That freedom, getting that monkey off my back, really allowed me to 
not fear sharing these parts of my story anymore because I know that the people that will resonate with it will resonate with it. Yeah. People that are ready to hear it and that are ready to make that commitment to work on their own mindsets to move forward, they will be the ones that will hear it. And yeah. it's really changed my approach to how I run my business and also how I coach my clients. It's not about going through a to-do list that's a mile long anymore. It's about, for me, prioritizing my energy and prioritizing, I do have tasks, but let's finish one. Yeah. If I can do one today, then it's a good day. I celebrate that. Yeah, I'm accomplished, I'm satisfied, and it feels good, right? I don't mm -hmm. have to push myself to burnout. I don't have to get to a place again where my anxiety basically manifested into a chronic illness. I mean, yeah. before I was ready to work on my mindset, things got so bad where middle of the night, I'm on my living room floor curled up in a fetal position in pain because my mind won't stop racing and it's conjured up my chronic illness and the pain's not going away. So for me, it's extremely powerful because I've changed how I run my business and consequently, it's changed how I approach things with my clients because they come to me with things like industry gurus say I have to be online every single day and I have to post every single day to be consistent and to make an impact. That doesn't feel good to me. And I say to them, consistency is how you choose to define it. Maybe you can only handle three times a week, but that's great. If you can do three times a week, you can commit to that. You feel good about it. You're not burning yourself out. And you're still building the relationships you want to build with your audiences. And That's without, still consistency three yeah, days a week. Yeah. And without the mindset work, there's no way I could do what I do now. I love that you mentioned that to-do list. A friend of mine, we were talking about the to-do list and the hustle culture bullshit and mm -hmm. all of that crap. And she said she was told to flip that to-do list to a to-da list. <laughs> So I thought that was very interesting. And it ties into celebrating that, like you said, if you can get one thing done today and get that completed, that's a celebration. Celebrate that success. That is a success. And I find that we so often don't take the time to celebrate. No matter how big or small that win is or that accomplishment is, we don't celebrate them. And we need to start doing that because when we do that, that also creates a ripple effect because it also lets others know that it's it's okay to stand up and celebrate your wins and it gives them permission to do so. Oh yeah. We spend way too much time and I see it every day where we're on autopilot. We don't spend enough time recognizing the abundance of things that we already have and showing yeah. gratitude for that. Instead, we're always focused on what, what's the next thing that I yes. want, right? What's the next thing I want to do? What's the next thing I want to accomplish? Yeah. How much money do I want to have? And when you don't stop and allow yourself that opportunity to slow down and really appreciate what it is that you already have and how far you've come and everything, what you're working towards honestly seems hollow because then yeah. you're never satisfied. That's right. No matter what that next thing is, it's never going to be enough because you're always chasing the next thing. You're right. It's hollow. It's empty. What, Lillian, are three of the most common issues around mindset that you come across in working with your clients? The big three, and they're all interconnected, fear, anxiety, and imposter syndrome. <laughs> and a lot of this comes up because with social media, comparison syndrome's really big. Yes, comparison is the thief of joy. Yes, and it's also hard because we're on there 
and we want to share our wins, right? We want to share when things go well and everything. But for a lot of folks that are not getting to where they perceive they should be, because our own perceptions of our timelines, our scheduling and where our progress should be is also at fault for all this. When you see someone else's win, instead of just focusing on congratulating them and recognizing that because they've achieved something, that means that's also attainable for you. We tend to look at it as there's a lack because Mm -hmm. someone has that opportunity. Now there's no room for me or that they've accomplished what I want to accomplish in a much shorter time. What's wrong with me? Where am I going wrong? I'm a fraud. I can't do this. And it ends up being such a huge spiral. And what I always reinforce with my clients is that Everyone has their own journey. Everyone has their own timeline to do things. And you also don't see the work that went on behind the scenes for this other entrepreneur. I mean, they could have pitched 60 or 70 media opportunities before landing that interview. You see them present a a keynote address at a conference. Well, chances are this is not their first speaking opportunity. You didn't see all of the other ones that led up to this. So it's always good to remind ourselves to stay grounded in the sense that reminding ourselves that we always have time to work towards our goals, but also stay humble and show gratitude to where we're at in regards to celebrating, focusing, and really prioritizing our own journeys because it looks different for everyone. And just because that's the scarcity mindset talking to where they're afraid there's not enough opportunities. There's no such thing. There's opportunities out there for everyone. It's just how are you going about diversifying the methods that you're using to get there? So you may land an interview six months from now Mm -hmm. after working at it. With someone else, it might take them three months. Sometimes that comes down to positioning and timing. There is an element of luck involved, but that doesn't mean that you should look at it and go, oh, someone else got lucky. I'm never going to get lucky. It really depends on how you're diversifying your methodology and the time and energy that you're putting into it too. Because the other thing that I see for a lot of entrepreneurs that have a lot of fear in investing in PR and building a strategy and a campaign, they want concrete numbers on how long it's going to take them or that it's going to take too long. And it's like, I'm, I'm not in sales. I don't feel comfortable, this, that, and the other. And what I say is I can't give you concrete number of hours that, hey, it's only going to take you five hours, 10 yeah. hours, because every person is different. Somebody who comes to me that has their goals and has a, a media kit ready to go, it's going to be a lot easier to launch a campaign for them than it is for someone who comes to me with a lot of mindset blocks because we're going to spend a lot of time building those coping mechanisms to help them push past that. The other thing is when they say, oh, I have to spend, I think I'm going to have to spend 40 hours a week on this. And it's no, you can do it incrementally. You only have an hour a week, take that hour a week and let's see what you can do with it doesn't mean that you have to change yourself to your desk until it's done. It's let's build this incrementally because that makes it sustainable. You're not burning out and having to start from the beginning. And it 
makes it a lot easier for once you have that framework, you can take it and run with it for campaigns in the future. Love it. Thank you for those pointers and that advice. It's brilliant. Because we do, I mean, there's so many people that come from that lack mindset and think that there's not enough work out there. There is more than enough work for every, I don't care what industry you're in, there's more than enough to go around. There's plenty out there. There's abundance is everywhere. And you just have to shift, make that little tweak in your mindset to realize it's hard. It is not easy. It takes work. It takes practice. I came from that competition mindset as well for the first year and a half to two years of my business when I made the jump into entrepreneurship. It's a tough journey. But once you are able to make that shift, your whole fucking world opens up. It changes drastically Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. It's also the power of community and collaboration will always get you a hundred times farther than competing with anybody ever will because you might have overlapping networks, but you all know different people. There might be opportunities that'll be a better fit for another entrepreneur and they might have or know someone that has opportunities that might be a good fit for you, right? So tapping into those networks and really learning how to support each other and even create your own collaborative opportunities to get out there is a fantastic way to continue to not only build content, but build your reputations as well as thought leaders, as go-to experts. And when you go to apply for speaking gigs and things like that, these are the things that people take notice of. So if you're not doing that and just focusing on how am I going to stand on the top of the mountain alone, that road is a lot harder because you're not fully utilizing the people that could be helping you. Absolutely. What is one tip or takeaway that listeners can implement immediately to start reconditioning their mind for the success they want? I would say take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour and sit down with a journal or a pen and paper and just start brainstorming, brainstorming what your story is, really get introspective into answering key questions like, Why did I get started in this journey? What inspires me? What motivates me? What's the impact I want to make? And then get introspective into what's stopping me from moving forward. I think a lot of people, entrepreneurs in particular, have a really hard time digging deep into what their subconscious motivations are because, yes, it is uncomfortable. But when you start off that first initial exercise and really figure out, okay, where do I want to go and not like and when I say go I mean get specific with it because I've had a lot of people say I want more sales and it's that's great everyone (laughs) wants more sales that's not really a goal though because it's not specific enough there's nothing you can actually work towards and it's not telling you the ways you can utilize to work towards it sitting down and giving yourself the time to just journal on what your story is and what's blocking you from really sharing it, I think is really key. And I know that some of the resistance can also come from entrepreneurs that are like, things are great. I'm making sales. I'm making connections. Why do I have to do this? Well, even if things are good, they could always be next level. You can always continue to grow. And the fact is that in a place where there's a lot of noise online, what's going to set you apart is how you do it and why you do it, not what you do. So giving yourself the opportunity 
to sit down and just really get introspective with it, I think you'd be really surprised just to see what comes out. Because so yeah. many of us, like I was saying earlier, we're on autopilot. We're focusing on the next thing. We don't take enough time to slow down, appreciate where we are, and show gratitude for that. And the earlier you start doing that, the easier it's going to be as you move along. Absolutely. Now, building a strong personal brand is crucial, of course, in today's digital ecosystem. How do you approach personal branding for your clients? And what steps do you take to help them establish a distinctive, authentic presence? It really comes down to two things. Number one, it's their story. And when I get the pushback on there's a lot that I don't want to share or I don't feel comfortable, I say to them that there is a line between what is personal and what is private. And you get to decide where that line is, number one. Number two, when it comes to what's personal, what they really want to know is not your life story, but how it's influenced you on your entrepreneurship journey. So when you focus on that within that framework, it makes it a lot easier to pull out different tidbits of stories of things you've done, of experiences you've had, of crossroads kind of milestones that you've had in running your business. And that makes it easier. The other part that I counsel them on is if you are embarking on developing a campaign where you will get more recognition, where you will get in front of more people, prior to doing that, I really would counsel them to make sure everything's updated website, email, social media platforms, whatever it is. And on top of that, that whatever you've done in the past that may have been a little bit negative has been scrubbed. I don't deal with a lot of crisis communications situations personally, but I have had experience with that from working with the agencies that I've worked with. And I will say that a lot of that kind of situation and reputational damage can arise from the fact that there's stuff in your past that you haven't dealt with that's still right. hanging out online and it can come back to bite you and bite you hard. Yeah. So when it comes to building that personal brand, for me, it's share what's personal as it relates to your journey as an entrepreneur and be, above all, authentic, transparent, and honest about those things. Because to quote a podcaster from a previous interview that I had he knew a guy that would always start stories with, I have 10 Ferraris. And he would say, that's great, but we don't really care about that. What we <laughs> want to know is how you got there. If you started your story with, I was homeless living in my car, and now I have 10 Ferraris, then people want to know how you got there, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a balance between what you're comfortable sharing that's personal, but also how it relates to your journey. They don't want just blanket statements to position you as a success. They want the story behind it because they want to be able to relate to you. That's right. Relatability is key. They want real, raw, authentic stories. They want to be able to relate to the person that they're listening to or connecting with. It, it's so important. In an era of cancel culture, 
how do you assist clients in addressing past mistakes, speaking about this right here, or controversies effectively and crafting a path to redemption? For this, I would counsel my clients to always be upfront about what happened. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't ignore it. Don't try to brush it off and be very, not just apologetic, but if depending on what it is, let your audience know the steps that you're taking to ensure that it's not going to happen again, that you have changed, that you are a better person, that there are systems in place to prevent whatever it is from happening again, and that you've had time to reflect, you have time to grow, and that whatever your actions were in the past no longer reflect who you are today. The thing is is that people also love a great redemption story. So if you are honest about it, you're transparent, you're authentic, and you own up to what happened, whatever it is, people will understand that. People will accept it. Now, there's a wide spectrum of what could be (laughs) considered personal transgressions. (laughs) And certainly, I'm not counseling clients that have had affairs and all of that other thing, right? We're strictly talking about some behavioral missteps in relation to business and things like that. So I do believe that with when we're focusing on this area, that when you are willing to own up to your mistakes and show how you've changed people respond to that. Again, it speaks to that authenticity piece, letting people know that you're real. And people make mistakes. We're human beings. Shit happens. But it's a matter of owning it and owning up to it. Now, as a PR professional, you're obviously you're working with clients from various industries. Can you discuss any notable differences or unique challenges that you've encountered while managing PR for clients in specific sectors such as technology, entertainment, healthcare? I would say that for... Certain industries, there's definitely things like stakeholders to consider, which can make it a little bit tougher when my client's not necessarily the final decision maker when it comes to the direction a campaign's supposed to take. Certain things like working with a lot of filmmakers and authors is a lot easier in entertainment because they're the brand, it's their company, it's their project, so they're the primary decision maker and that makes things go a lot faster. Whereas with larger companies, like things like, tourism and hospitality, tech startups, even surprisingly enough, uh, food events, when their aim is to sell tickets and everything, when you have more people in charge that all have ideas on how things should go, the timeline for actually getting out there and sharing things can be a lot longer. Mm -hmm. I liken it to working with business to business companies, because you build that relationship But when you make the sale is a lot farther down the road because you have and they have a lot more decision makers at play who will influence what the investment's going to be, the direction you're going, all of this kind of thing. And also the other thing is that goals, timelines, and budgets will change. Because when you're working with larger companies, they tend to want to have more comprehensive campaigns. We're doing international business, right? We're doing the podcast on an international level. We're doing a lot of mainstream media. Maybe in some cases, they're also booking events that they want to speak at. So all of that takes a lot more time, energy, and budget to put together than a solopreneur who's just dipping their toe in and starting out with genre or industry-specific podcasts. 
So yeah. it's really a wide spectrum on what is possible with PR and also incorporating things like thought leadership. So when I keep talking about booking speaking gigs, that's a huge part of thought leadership. Some clients want to do a bit of a paid strategy. So they have sponsored ads for podcasts or sponsored articles and magazines. That's part of it. Community outreach, particularly for nonprofits, is a huge driver of getting attention on local causes and fundraising and things like that. So one of the most common questions I get is, what what should I expect for budgets? And I always say to them, it really depends at the end of the day what your goals are, what your timeline is, and really in relation to your goals, what your focus is. Because if we're going international, that absolutely is going to take you more time, energy, and money than it would if we were staying local. You've mentioned a couple times public speaking. It's an essential skill, obviously, for PR professionals. How do you assist your clients in overcoming a fear of public speaking and honing their abilities to deliver impactful presentations and speeches? Two big tips I give them is, for example, they freeze up if they have to do a live Q&A in front of an audience. So I say to them, just focus on the person asking the question, whether it's an audience member, whether it's, whether it's a panel moderator, whether it's an interviewer, just focus on building that rapport in that moment with the person asking the question. Everybody else is there to absorb what you're saying, but they don't matter in so far as this is an interaction between you and one other person. So that's one thing. That's I a great think. tip. The other part is if they are not wanting to do presentations because they're saying like, I don't know what to share with people. I don't know what to tell them. Go back to your interviews. Are there sort of central questions that people are asking you about research, about product development, about different aspects of fundraising, financing, that you can build a presentation around your answer to that question? Because now you have a framework on what the meat of your presentation is going to be. And that makes it a lot easier for you to come up with the content that's going to address the questions that they have. Another thing that I do for myself when I'm on the way to doing webinars or presentations or workshops is I always ask what the audience's level of knowledge or experience is with what I'm going to talk about. Because what that does is that helps you cater your information and the knowledge that you're sharing to their particular experiences so that you don't make it too general, but you also don't make it too specific and they come out of it feeling like they haven't learned any. Great tips. Thank you, Lillian. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I would say my big superpower is probably my desire to pay it forward through education and empowerment. Because my business philosophy is you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. You teach him how to fish, he will eat for a lifetime. You give someone that knowledge, those skills, those resources, and you give them the confidence to know how to use them, sky's the limit, right? And for me, with everything that I do, whether it's coaching, whether it's campaigns, whether it's I'm working on releasing my first PR book for this very reason, is to really focus on that empowerment through helping them gain confidence piece. Because I really believe that every entrepreneur out there is you can reach your fullest potential. Yeah. The only question is, are you going to get out of your own way long <laughs> enough 
to (laughs) embrace that education, to embrace that empowerment, to really look at how I can move forward. And that these are the people that I'm here for. I mean, I wrote my book, which I'm currently working on releasing. Congratulations. Thank you. Because I had entrepreneurs say, I want to have something to refer back to when I'm working with you or when I'm following you on social media, that's going to show me how to build a a successful campaign from beginning to end. So there's a huge chapter on mindset in there. I focus on positioning and goal planning and then dive into the different pieces of building a media campaign, including tools for this is what you can use to save time researching media contacts all the way to now you have an interview go live. How are you going to promote it? How are we going to keep this momentum going? And I wrote it to address that gap in the marketplace because so much of the literature out there is focused towards corporate is focused towards educating fellow publicists who are doing crisis communications, who are doing government relations or corporate communications. And I thought, what about the entrepreneur? They're being left behind. And that's not fair because they have every right to utilize PR to get to where it is that they want to go. And it's perfectly within their reach to do that without having a budget in the hundreds of millions without having an audience in the millions either. They're still able to do that. And that's why I wrote this to help bridge that gap, to close it. Beautiful. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you? I love this question because if you had asked me 10, 15 years ago, I probably would have said my bank account, to be honest with you. (laughs) Today, I look at success as what is the impact I'm making? What is the legacy that I'm building of empowerment of people that are educated, of people that are going out there and reaching their fullest potential because of the work that I've done to help put them on that path. For me, that's the legacy, right? How many people can I continue to educate, to empower, and to get on the road to achieving what it is that they want to achieve using PR? Because I've spent so many years seeing digital marketing, seeing email, seeing sales have a seat at the table, For big conferences and all of that, it's about time PR carves its own seat at the table as well. And that's what I'm trying to do is for me, success is if I can help more people gain that empowerment and gain that confidence to really get out there and share their stories, then I've done my job. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I would go back to... The freedom that I gained from letting go of what I can't control and stemming from forgiving myself for not having control growing up. And before I learned that, life in business and on the personal side was really stressful. I would stay awake at night. Like I said, I'd have chronic illness flare-ups. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising. Everything was out of whack because I was so focused on this need to control how things were being perceived or what the results were. Once I let go of that though, the freedom has been amazing. I just see it and I'm like, as great as it would be to reach a million people with this message, I don't need to have a million people to make an impact. It's not a numbers game. It's not a 
quantity game. It's the people that are ready to hear it will hear me and will understand where I'm coming from. And that's where I should be prioritizing my energy. And to learn that has completely revolutionized not only how I do business, but also my personal life, right? I'm not chained to the computer till 8, 9, 10 at night, trying in vain to do all these different things. I'm actually able to step away, take a break, and truly enjoy that. Which is important for sure. You have to be well-rounded and you have to take care of yourself. You have to give yourself that time. What does the word empowerment mean to you? It is recognizing your own genius. It's owning that genius. It's owning the fact that you have your own unique story, that it's worthy of being heard, and that you have the confidence to go into any room, in person or virtual, and share what it is that you do and the impact that you're making. Because it matters. Because there are people out there that need it. And because it's meaningful. It's not even about sales. It's not even about products. It's really about how are you making an impact in this life to the people that matter and the people that need your help. For me, it's that having that confidence to be able to get up there, walk into a room, turn on the screen on on video and just own it. What challenge in your life, Lillian, would you say has shaped you the most? I would say that my life honestly has been built on resiliency. I was born early with mobility problems. Had anything gone any other way health-wise, I probably wouldn't be here. So already starting off my life that way. And as an entrepreneur, I really had to push back against a lack of support, cultural barriers, and generational trauma to really live the life that I want to live because I knew from a very young age that in not getting the support that I was supposed to get, that life is too short to live what I want to do by someone else's rules. And I knew that I did not want to spend 30, 40, 50 years being miserable and not living the life that I wanted to live. And I pushed back. I rebelled against those cultural expectations. I rebelled against generational trauma to really say, hey, I can live the life that I want to live with integrity, regardless of the fact that it was not what was expected of me or what, what, what I was supposed to do. Because my joy, my mental health, and ultimately the fulfillment I get through my work and my business and my personal life means more to me than living up to some cultural expectation. Love that. That's very courageous and brave. Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing, okay? Mm -hmm. How would you describe yourself in one word? Tenacious. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Confidence. If you're writing your autobiography, what would the title be? Tenacious again. What is one thing you love about yourself that is not related to your physical appearance? Sarcasm. (laughs) What is one of your favorite quotes? I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. Not trying is failure. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the last year, Lillian? I would say that my ability to not stress about 
things like finances was pretty big. Because like I said, I spent a lot of my entrepreneurship journey too focused on that, which led to me making a lot of the wrong decisions. And I think within the last year, I've really sort of come to the conclusion that so much of entrepreneurship is based on fear of the money that you're going to reinvest back into your business and whether or not it's a good idea and whether or not you're going to get your money's worth and everything else. And for me, I look at those opportunities as just that, opportunities for learning, for growth, and to recognize that if I want to continue doing that, then that is where my focus needs to be. It's not about worrying about where the money's going to come from because I really believe in me and myself and what I do that for the people that resonate with that, they'll find me and we will work together. When you are confident in what you're doing and what you have to offer, there's really not concerns about where the money's gonna come from because for me, it's always about, okay, how am I diversifying that? What am I doing now that I wasn't doing a year ago? And what do I want to do a year from now that I'm not doing right now that's going to mm -hmm. change things? What is one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? You can never truly have expectations on where results and support will come from. Time and time again in my career, I have been surprised by where results have come from and certainly where support has come from as well. So don't discount the people that you think, oh, this podcast is too small. It might be a fantastic fit for you to get in front of the right audiences. Or if you are going into a new business venture and you're looking for investors, don't discount a particular friend or a particular family member because you believe right off the bat that they're not going to support you. I've learned to never have expectations about all of that because it will never fulfill those expectations. So why bother? Why not just celebrate and appreciate what you do receive in terms of support, in terms of results, and understand that it's just another step to help you grow? moving forward. I think having expectations can only set you up for disappointment. I mean, if you go into things, whatever it is, business venture, relationship, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you go in with low or no expectations at all, you can only be pleasantly surprised. You can only come out winning. Absolutely. And it makes it easier for you to almost adjust things moving ahead because it's, yeah. you know, hey, I, I got great response from this, wasn't expecting it. It was a great yes. surprise. And now I can continue moving forward. Maybe now I'm focusing more on this area that I had previously dismissed because I got such great results I wasn't expecting. For sure. What is your why? My why is to always pay it forward, to educate, to empower, and to demystify this world of public relations to help people reach their fullest potential because you playing small is, is no way to grow. You playing small is no way to make an impact. And I truly believe that everyone has it in them. It's just how can you get out of your own way and what can I do to help facilitate that journey for you? So my why will always be education and empowerment over money. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? Former First Lady Michelle Obama. And I would love to speak to her just about 
challenges and tenacity and perseverance because I don't have her second book, but I did read her first one. It's one of my favorite books. And I know that she came from a lot of difficulty, right? They came from not an affluent background. There's a lot of adversity that they had to push through. How do you continue doing that when you're not always a hundred percent certain because I believe in manifestation. I believe in abundance, but there's still, there's never any guarantees, even though you do believe in that in terms of where your stability comes from, whether it's financially, whether it's your home, whether it's job. So how do you continue to push forward? How do you continue to have faith in yourself, in the people around you? And it's not even Uh, a religious thing necessarily. It's more about just your belief in yourself and your belief in the world of opportunity. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Be patient and be open. Be patient because things will change and be open to embracing the opportunities and the people that will help you change. Because sometimes there have been split seconds here and there where I'll look back and think, God, I wish I was doing this earlier. I was living this life earlier. And what I have to remind myself is at that time, I wasn't ready to hear it. At that time, I wasn't ready to take that journey and nobody could force me to do it. So in recognizing that, I've also recognized that patience is a fantastic thing to have, that there oftentimes Things will not coalesce or work out the way you want them to within a certain timeline. That doesn't mean they won't work out. And just reminding myself to be patient and to be open to those new opportunities. And also recognizing that I was not ready to hear it when I wasn't ready to hear it and to not dwell on that. Lastly, Lillian, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? Don't ever dismiss, downgrade, or reject yourself and who you are and your ideas out of hand because you believe people won't accept it. If you go through life doing that, you will have already done their work for them. Instead, be your own greatest champion because the world needs those ideas, they need those stories, and they need you to stand up and be a champion for what you believe in, whatever that is. Beautifully said. Lillian, thank you so very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your journey, your story, and the world of PR. I appreciate you. I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. It's been incredibly educational, inspirational. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and your wisdom. I appreciate you, and I'm grateful to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Thank you for taking and making the time to be here with me today. Thanks for having me, Brad. It means a lot. I appreciate you taking the time as well to talk to me about this and to ask me some fantastic questions that, in spite of the dozens of interviews I've done over the years, I haven't been asked yet before, so I give you credit (laughs) for that. But as always, if you ever want to collaborate again, I'm always here. You know how to find me. Your listeners can follow me on Instagram at Lillian Sue Copywriter PR. Send me an email. Go to my website at retrospectwritingservices.com. And hey, if they follow me on LinkedIn or on Instagram, they'll get news on my my book as well and how that's doing Excellent. and everything. So. Well, we'll put the link for that in the show notes when your episode's released. We'll definitely put that out there and help you promote the book. 
Thank you so much for your kind and beautiful words. And thank you again for your time. I appreciate you. Hope you have an amazing rest of the day. You too, Brad. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Lillian Ledoux. She is a PR coach and publicist. Thanks so much, Lillian. Have an awesome rest of your day. You too, Brad. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca. Follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.